be in Philippians today, Philippians in chapter 1. There's still room to sign up for special music. Uh, we're getting very close to December. Um, so Christmas music, we already got one person signed up for Christmas music today. Uh, and uh, but we've got plenty of space for December, and uh, it's on the bulletin board in the back. So uh, go ahead and sign up. We got a good number. I think November we might have specials every week, so we're pretty close to it, uh, which is wonderful. We'd love to have special music. So um, sign up. We've said before, um, Miss Kathy can play most things. She's happy to play for you. Um, if you've got the music, uh, John, Jason, both willing to play uh, guitar for you um, or harmonica. I mean, whatever. It's uh, Whatever you want. So um, sign up for a song, and uh, let's, let's keep that rolling. I, I really enjoy having special music. It adds to the service, and uh, something I really appreciate and uh, like to have. So excited to see and continue to see that, uh, get more of that. We've talked about starting a choir. We still plan to do that. We just don't have the time frame uh, worked out for us yet. Maybe that's a New Year thing. Uh, New Year's resolution for the church, um, but uh, we'll... Uh, we'll get on that here soon. We're continuing our series on Philippians, the book of Philippians. This is actually the passage that brought us to this series um, and excited. The whole book has so much uh, helpfulness to it. This verse is a verse that many people have heard before and uh, uh, might be familiar with. Maybe you've heard it, maybe you haven't. But uh, there's a lot in this this passage this morning, a very simple main thought, but uh, a lot within that simple main thought. So look with me, if you will, Philippians chapter 1, starting in verse number 21. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. We're going to spend a lot of time on verse 21 today, and that's going to kind of be the, the main thing that we're focusing on uh, here today. But he goes on in verse 22 and says, but if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor, yet... What I shall choose, I wot not. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart, that's die, and be to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. Verse 27 is an important verse as well. Only let your conversation, your lifestyle, the way that you live, be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. And we'll continue through verse 30 in the sermon, but We'll stop there for now. Lord, I pray for your help this morning. I pray that as we look at this thought, I pray that it would draw us to you. And God, I pray that as I preach these verses, that I would do it clearly in a way that we can all understand and correctly, Lord, that which is biblical. And God, I pray that you would uh, draw us to you today. I pray that you'd work in our lives where it is needed. And Lord, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We see here in verse 21, again, a verse that uh, most, if not all, have heard, maybe you haven't, uh, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. 
in my opinion, a lot of times when we hear this verse, we understand and to die is gain. We understand what we gain as a Christian when our life on this earth is over. We understand the gaining part to some degree, but the phrase to live as Christ might not be as clear as to die is gain. And so this morning I want to look at, I've got four thoughts this morning. I'm sorry, I need to get Four thoughts this morning from these verses. And the first one this morning is to live is Christ. To live is Christ. And we see it there in verse 21. For me to live is Christ. Life, our life, ought to bring glory to God. Paul here, you remember, he's writing in persecution um, to the church in Philippi. And he has uh, an understanding, a desire even to some degree, and they have the desire for them to be in person, face-to-face again one day. And he's here in this uh, situation in his life where it says there in verse number 23, I'm in a straight betwixt two. I have two things that I'm trying to figure out, to live or to die. Would I rather live or would I rather just go into eternity with Christ? And so he says in verse 21, for me to live is Christ, meaning that in my life, if I continue to live, if they do not kill me, then that is Christ. It is Christ living in me. It is Christ working through me. There is a benefit, and I don't say this disrespectfully, to Christ if I live. The benefit for me is in death. The benefit for Christ appears to be in my life, meaning that if I live, I can continue to teach, I can continue to preach, I can continue to serve, I can continue to spread the gospel, those sorts of things. My life, if I live, will bring glory to God. That's not prideful in what he's saying. It is an understanding that in the the life that God has given me and how he has blessed me and how he uses me, in my life, glory will be brought to God. Not only that, my life is from God. All of our life is from God. Without God, I am nothing. We say, well, if I didn't have oxygen, I would die. Yes, that's true, but... Life ends when God says life ends. Your life is over when God says your life is over. We don't know when that's going to be. Um, you know, maybe it's we die. My grandfather was 94 when he passed away. Um, we've known people to live over 100 years. And I'm sure we've heard of stories, right, of people living 100 and into the 100 teens. That's crazy. But we also know people who died at 2 or 22 or 32, and all the numbers in between and after. Life is from God. And so Paul, and given to us through the inspiration of Christ, says to live is Christ. My life is from God, and God is using my life to bring glory to God. Life is also directed by God. Not only is it from God, but it's directed by God. And Paul here is saying, the way that I'm living, I'm living the life that God desires for me to live. And again, it's not prideful. It's just an understanding. I'm doing what God desires for me to do. I'm being obedient to God. And yes, it has resulted in me sitting in prison. But I understand that as long as I'm alive and as long as I'm doing what God wants me to do to live as Christ, Christ gets the glory. Christ gets, and again, I use the word benefit. God does not need my life. 
but what he's saying is for me to live is Christ. It's me doing what God wants me to do, and it's God being glorified through the life that he's given me. In verse number 22, it says, uh, but if I live in the flesh, and this is not the fleshly, worldly, but in the body, literal flesh, if I'm alive, all right? So if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor, meaning for me to live is Christ. This is the fruit that I receive. This is what God, uh, the fruit that I have to live is God using me to bring glory to God, preaching the gospel, spreading the gospel, sharing the good news, teaching folks how to live as Christ desired for them to live. For me to live is Christ. Can you say that about your life? Is you being alive bringing glory to God? Look at Samson's life. Samson's life did not bring glory to God. God used Samson, and he used him in different ways to deliver the people. He was a judge uh, that God gave to the people that, to deliver them out of other situations. But God got glory in Samson's death, not in his life. I've always looked at the story of Samson, and I've wondered to myself, would God get more glory out of me dying or me living? Because I want God to get glory out of me living so he doesn't have to take me. You remember the story of Samson. He was uh, the strongest man to ever live. He didn't get that strength by going to the gym. It was God-given. He took the gates of the city, which are not the same gate that's in your backyard. He took the gates of the city, these massive gates, and he carried them up a hill. No one man other than the God-given strength of Samson could do that. It would take multiple men. And they wouldn't be happy about it to carry a gate up a hill. Samson did it by himself with the help of God strongest man to ever live. Now, Samson had um, issues, spiritual issues. He was a, uh, a man that was led by his lusts. And he acted on those lusts. And as a matter of fact, it was because of his lust that Delilah kept seeking, what is the source of your strength? And kept lying to her. And finally, one night, he told her the truth. If you cut off my hair, his hair wasn't strong, by the way. It was part of the vow that his parents made for Samson, a life that he lived in his little obedience to God was that vow, and he broke that vow times leading up to the cutting of the hair as well. But that's kind of the last straw. He said, if you cut my hair, I'll lose all my strength. It's amazing because he had lied to Delilah multiple times, and yet she's like, well, we'll try this, I guess. And what's amazing is, is he didn't realize she was actually going to do it, considering she was doing all the other things that he said. You tie me up. People came in. He broke out of the out of the bonds. No problem at all. He cut my hair. She cut his hair. The men came in, and he had no strength. Ultimately, I think Samson was starting to believe that he was strong on his own. Samson, they, had, they plucked out his eyes. I can't imagine the pain, the agony. They basically used them to do the job of a mule. And uh, finally, one day, he came to his senses, and he prayed to God, and he said, God, if you would please, just one more time, restore my strength. I believe God speaks to you today. 
God gave him his strength back. He stood between two pillars. He pushed on the pillars. The pillars collapsed. The, the crowd that was there in attendance to laugh and mock and watch a disgusting sport of violence collapsed. Many people died, and God used that for a little people. But you see, God's got glory in Samson's death. Does God have to take your life to get glory? Paul says, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And again, I hope you're not taking this disrespectfully, but he understood that in his life, God was getting the glory. He was getting the benefit. If he took Paul's life, then Paul got the benefit. He no longer had to suffer. He no longer had to deal with uh, the, the politicians. He no longer had to deal with the people who were angry at him, trying to kill him. He no longer had to walk many miles. He no longer had to experience shipwrecks. He no longer had to go through all these things. For to him to die was gain. But for him to live is Christ. Is your life as Christ? Sometimes we think, well, everything that I've done in my past and even in my recent past, what's the point now? I'm telling you, it's all the point. If you heard, uh, if you were at my grandfather's funeral, you would have heard uh, several people talk about how great he was, and he was a great man. But if you had the opportunity to ask my grandfather about his life before he was saved, it was a pretty wicked life. He was stationed in Germany. He never saw combat, but he was stationed in Germany. And I asked him, uh, in, you know, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, I finally asked him, hey, can you tell me anything about your time in the service? And he said, I really can't remember any of it. I was too drunk. He said, I just drank every night, woke up places that I didn't know how I got there. Um, he said, I can remember very little about my time time in service. But the people at my grandfather's funeral, most of them didn't know that, that Howard Cooper. They talked about how loving he was, how gracious he was, how much he loved to share the gospel with people how he served in the church and those sorts of things. You see, because of what Christ did in his life and the change that was made in his life, he took what most people look at as a life that God couldn't use, and, and he used the rest of his life to be something that God did use. He still wasn't perfect after he was saved, don't get me wrong, but his testimony, his conversation, as we'll look at in just a minute, was one that Christ got glory from. And at the end of my grandfather's life, to live was Christ, but to die was gain. It doesn't matter what you've done in your past. It doesn't matter what mistakes that you've made, what sins you've committed, all of those things. If you get right with God, if you're a child of God, your life can be Christ. The life that you live, however long it extends, can be Christ, can bring honor to Christ, can bring glory to Christ. And sometimes we sit there and we're in the same situation as Paul. Boy, I'm in these two situations. If I live, I can continue to share the gospel and I can continue to serve God. But if I die, I get to go to heaven. I've told many of you about uh, Miss Carol, our, our pianist in Indiana. Every time you talk to Miss Carol, she says, one day closer. She can't wait to get to heaven. They lost a young child. She talks about her all the time. Can't wait to see, see my, my child. 
happen to your spring of fortitude. And they're at the age in the life, her and her husband, they're, they're getting up there in age, and life isn't as fun as it once was. Everything hurts, and everything's harder, and those sorts of things. But they put their life in today. You have to live a life that brings glory to God in order to be in a straight betwixt among the two to live as Christ and to die as gain. As a Christian, to die as gain should always be accepted. But I believe that as a Christian, our life ought to be Christ. To live ought to be God being glorified. That's point number one, to live as Christ. Point number two, to die is gain. We've kind of talked about it already, but we need to understand that to die is gain. It's a great gain. What you gain in death as a Christian, when your life on this earth is done, it is a great gain. Heaven is amazing. Now, I haven't been there. I haven't talked to anyone who has been there. But the Bible teaches me what heaven is. It's perfection. It's the presence of God face-to-face with him. No more hurt, no more pain, no more sin, no more sorrow. It's great gain. It's also an immediate gain. To die is gain. It's an immediate gain. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 8, uh, absent from the body, present with the Lord, immediately. I heard a sermon talking about that this weekend. To die is gain. It's not a, I die and then I've got to wait around for the gain. It's immediate. We hate to lose people on this earth, and we hate to uh, bury people and uh, have to talk about uh, them and think about all the great memories that we have with them. We're sorry, we're uh, we're sorrowful, we're we're sad, uh, we hurt, all those sorts of things. But if that person is a Christian, if that person is a child of God, their gain is immediate. We hear the stories of uh, Peter at the gate and all these sorts of things. It's not how it works. When I'm absent from my body, when I die on this earth, as a Christian, I immediately present with God. And what a beautiful picture that is. Not only is it a great gain and an immediate gain, it's also an eternal gain. It never ends. It's a wonderful thing. That's why Paul was looking forward to it. That's why Paul, sitting in the prison, was thinking, you know what? It would be kind of nice to go see Jesus again be a great gain. It would be a uh, immediate gain. It would be an eternal gain. As a matter of fact, not only is it gain, there's zero loss. It's all gain. Everything about it is gain. I don't lose anything when my life on this earth is over. In verse 23, he says, uh, for I am in a straight betwixt among the two, having desire to depart. It's not that he wanted to die that he wanted to be with God. It's not that Paul was sitting there and going, uh, you know, I think I'm going to hang it up. That's not what he was saying. He was leaving it all in God's hands. But if these people take my life, which they had been threatening to do many times over, he said, I know that I'm gained. I won't lose anything. I'll be with Christ. I have a great gain, an immediate gain, an eternal gain. To live is Christ, number one. Number two, to die is gain. Number three, to serve is unselfish. 
to serve is unselfish. Verse number 24, the Bible says, Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh, and again, that's not talking about sinful flesh, it's talking about literal flesh in the body. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. He says, I, I'm in this straight betwixt. I, I have this issue right now because I desire to be with Christ. But uh, I, I know that also to live is important too. And he says in verse 24, it is uh, more needful that I live not for myself, but for you. Because Paul was a servant. He served other Christians. And he was so confident in this. He says in verse 25, And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith. Having this confidence, I know that I shall abide, live, and continue with you. Because it's more needful. God needs to unite. It's not that he has to have me, but God desires for me to continue. Not for myself, but for others. To serve is unselfish. It's not thinking about, okay, I, I have to decide uh, uh, between these two things which is best for me. Deciding between these two things how does this help others? The decision that is made. We can take that down uh, to the bare bones and look at decisions that we make in life. Okay, this is better for me. This is better for others. Where I go, what I do. Where I go, what I do. The decisions that I make. Am I making them for myself? Or am I making them in a way that God can use to help other people? Well, how do I make the right decision? I ask God what he wants. And then I do what he tells me. Paul sitting here goes, you know, honestly, if they kill me, that's the best situation for me. But he doesn't get to choose. He leaves it up to God. If I live, it is Christ. And if I die, it is my gain. It's more needful for you this morning that I live. And again, Paul's not making that up to you. As a matter of fact, he's speaking what God's telling him to speak. He's writing what God's telling him to write. To serve is unselfish. It's not about me. It's about how God can use me to help others. Lastly, number four, to live in light of the gospel. Number one, to live is Christ. Number two, to die is gain. Number three, to serve is unselfish. And number four, to live in light of the gospel. Verse number 27, the Bible says, Only let your conversation, that's again, your lifestyle, be as it becometh to the gospel of Christ. That whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. He says, continue what you're doing. Live the way that God wants you to live. Follow him. Whether I'm there or not, whether I'm alive or dead, whether I'm present or absent, you continue to do right. The church of Philippi was a church that encouraged Paul. It was a church that strengthened Paul. Why? Because they were faithful and they were obedient. 
and they continued to press forward with the gospel. And when Paul was in prison, they got more bold, and they began to present the gospel more. And they were willing to suffer as Paul suffered. Yet, Paul said, I believe I will be back with you again. Now, there are letters in Scripture that we have that are written specifically to, a, to a, a, a person. This one's written to a church, a church in Philippi. And he says to them, uh, stand fast in one spirit, one mind, striving together. Do it together. Strive together. You're not alone. And here we sit this morning in a church, as a church family, and we look at our lives and we ask the question, is for me to live Christ, I know that to die is gain, but is for me to live Christ, okay, now I need to follow Christ, I need to obey Christ, I need to make sure that my life is that of Christ. Now I need to live in light of the gospel. What's the gospel? Christ came and he died and he was buried and he rose again and he did it all for me and he did it all for you. So my life ought to live in light of the gospel, the fact that Christ loved me. John 3.16, for God so loved this world. That Christ came to this earth, that he sent his only begotten son. That he died for me. He condemneth his love toward me, even though I'm a sinner. And that he rose again from the dead. That whosoever shall call upon him shall be saved. Now I live my life according to that. I love like God loves. I live like Christ lives. I give like Christ gives. I live in light of the gospel. And I do it together with the other people that God has given me in my church. This weekend, we'll have uh, an evangelistic effort. And what I mean by that is an effort to get out the gospel. Our parenting sem seminar on Friday night is going to, to help all parents get the gospel, giving practical, biblical advice on raising children, not just as young children, but teenagers as well. And the gospel is going to be presented. It's not just the gospel that's going to be presented. All parents are going to come and gain biblical help on parenting. But the gospel will be presented. On Saturday, people are going to come out to play games eat food, to laugh. The gospel is going to be presented. We're going to give everybody the gospel. <laughs> and guess what? We're going to do it together. Everything that you give, every second that you give, every prayer that you pray for these men, that's us together, striving together to live in light of the gospel. The gospel is possible because of suffering. He says in verse 28, and nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. 
for unto you it is given, verse 29, in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. Who's our ultimate example? Christ. I'm glad somebody knew that. <laughs> Who's our ultimate example? Okay, now we got two people then. Who's our ultimate example? There we go. Good. I just want to make sure you're awake this morning. Because Christ loved us, he suffered. The gospel is not possible without suffering. The church of Philippi, we've already read about earlier in chapters 1, was willing to suffer. And Paul now says there will be suffering. The Bible teaches us that Christians who obey God will go through suffering. You say, well, that's not very nice. Was it nice that Jesus Christ had to be beaten and nailed to a cross? The answer to that today is no. So why did he do it? Because he loved us. If I live in light of the gospel, I need to understand persecution will come. Suffering, in some degrees, will come. And the gospel is possible because of it. Matthew 5 in the Beatitudes, it says, Blessed are ye when men shall persecute you. God says, you want to be a happy Christian? You want to be a blessed Christian? Accept the persecution. Understand you're going to face it. And persevere. If I'm going to live in light of the gospel, I have to understand it's not all sunshine and roses. And it's not all going to be suffering either. What suffering looks like. How are you going to handle it? Verse 30, having the same conflict that you saw in me, and now here between you and me. Because you're going to come to that same conflict that I have. And there's a struggle. And it's life. Maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you haven't followed God the way that you're supposed to. Maybe today you're like this man. Good news. How do I make it? Obey. Okay, well, what do I need to do to obey? Read your Bible. Talk to God. Do what God tells you to do. Go where God tells you to go. When suffering comes, have faith that he'll provide. When temptation comes, seek him uh, to get the tempter. And the way we do that is by obeying what God's word says of, of what to do when temptation comes. What does the Bible say about that? Read your Bible. Follow Christ. Do what he says. Paul says, share this conflict. You're going to live life Your Christian duty is really to reject evil. And his is the duty that provides the comfort. When your life comes to you, God take your life and use that 
guarantee at least one person, if not 30 people, is going to get out of here. Oh, God. I don't believe we have enough truly fully surrendered to follow God through everything that he says that we need to do. If I asked you, you would think, oh, yeah, I agree with you. But in your heart, you're thinking, I don't know, that doesn't sound fun. I'm not so sure how those blessings come. I, I don't, I'm not sure. I'm telling you, if you read scripture, you'll see it exemplified over and over and over and over again. Men and women in the Bible who follow God and their life and God's blessings. God's been provided for them and protected them and did all of those things. Yes, hardships came. Yes, hardships fell. But they could say that it was perfect. sure if this is how it works, but please allow me to, to say it this morning. The reason you're dying is because of sin. Because of that reason. I had a young man at the school A lot of people saw him as a good, good person. He was good at life and things of that nature. I remember one day we got a uh, announcement that uh, he was a pilot in a big plane. And his plane crashed and he had cancer in his lungs. That hadn't stopped him. He was on the news. National Flight was 911 call. Sitting on top of his plane, consuming water, and he said, I'm a good swimmer, I'm going to try to swim until you know, the last thing I need to die. And I, again, I don't know that this is the case, I don't know if this is true, I, it's just purely my thoughts. But as I heard some people praising this kid's life, I began to think that maybe God took his life to protect him and those that loved him and knowing what he was going through. He's like, what was that? And what reason does Christ have to endure For the new Lord is Christ called me, that's why, because he's obedient. He sent the head of the business. He says, the God I mean that's gain. I can't gain everything. Immediately, great gain, eternal gain. For me to live, for Christ to, to have me still living, bring glory to my Father. Today, why don't you make the decision that you follow Christ? So that my life is Christ. That as I live, God gets glory through my life, the things that I do. Every single one of us, I, I guarantee it, I promise it, there's something in every single one of our lives that is probably um, not helping us to keep focus and maybe pulling us away from God. Maybe there's something that God says, you need to get rid of that. It needs to be gone. Maybe it's 
make this thing go, no, it's okay if I don't do this because I, I need to do this. I've heard uh, I have some time with my family, and that's why I can't do what God wants me to do. Can you truly say today for me to lose that gain? Can you say today for me to, to die as gain? Do you know that Jesus is your Savior? If you were to die today on, on the drive home from church, would you be in heaven or would you be in hell? Paul's great confidence was the fact that if God chooses to take my life, I have put him in heaven. This morning you can have that same confidence if you don't already have it. It's a very simple thing God has, has already given and done. When Jesus Christ came and he nailed to the cross, and he died, he died for your sins. While he was hanging on the cross, he took your sins, and he put them onto himself. And he took the punishment for you, so that you could be saved. And the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So by grace we say through faith, I thank God that you died for me, to save me. God, I'm calling on you to save me. I know we can have a struggle. Maybe this morning God has just challenged you to do that. Maybe we get a point in your life and you're thinking, oh, God, I'm going to struggle. I've got to get past that. God, I can't do it. I can't do it. Well, this morning, give it to God. God, forgive me. He tells Christians in 1 John, if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all God knows you've done it. He knows everything. If you confess, God forgives you. And then he lives with you. Lord, I pray for your help this morning. I know I took some liberties today. I gave some of my own opinions, especially towards the end. Lord, I just pray that it would correct. And Lord, I pray that you would help us today. God, that your word would teach us and grow us and stretch us. God, I pray that our lives would be one that would be you, that would be glory to you. God, I pray this morning if there's someone who, if they died today, they wouldn't be saved. God, today I pray that they would call on you for salvation. Lord, I pray that you would help us that are saved. God, that we would live a life that would represent you well. God, I pray if there's things in our lives today that we need to get rid of, I pray that we would do that. And God, help us to cast off our pride, our fleshly desires. And God, put on the new creature that you've offered to us, Lord, that we would live following your desires and your will and your will. And God, I pray that if there's any other area that you've 
spoken to us about forgiveness. God, I pray that we would get it right with you and that we give it to you, whatever it may be. We're going to ask the shepherd to hold us for just a minute. I'm sorry. I want to ask you, when the heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I'm going to be the only one listening. I ask that no one else does. I want to ask this question this morning. Friend, if you're here and you would say, I can't say that the Bible's my own. 